Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive. Quite frankly, I get most of my news from you. Joan Esposito. Y'all ready for this? On WCPT 820. Hey, everybody. This is Tim Hogan. It is not Joan Esposito. I promise we're not trying to mislead you with that opening. Uh, but we are coming live today, remote from Kankakee County at AFSME Local 29. Uh, we're doing a sponsored event today. We did one last week in Will County to sit and talk with local candidates, uh, county board candidates, state representatives, about how important these local down-ballot races are in the final stretch towards the election. We have 14 days now until Election Day. And if you pay attention to the national news, it feel like feels like we're on a polar coaster. One day, Democrats are leading. They're up on a generic congressional ballot, and then Republicans are leading on the generic congressional ballot. You see one poll that shows just the economy dominates, and then you see there's a poll that health care, abortion, gun safety, uh, workers' rights are still driving voters. And so what we want to try to do here today is pull back from the national polar coaster and to talk with some of these local candidates who are the most accessible, who will make a huge difference difference in your everyday life and to see how their campaigns are going. Um, You know, it's not just about Congress. It's not just about the governor's race. It's not just about Senate races. It is about local races because you will see a greater impact from those races likely on your daily life. It's also a place where the party bench starts. The people that we're going to talk to here today who are running for office, they are the people who you're going to see five years, ten years down the road, potentially in those higher ticket races. And this is how they build a, build a volunteer base. This is how they get to know the community and the concerns and how they get to connect with people. One other thing I want to point out about these races, too, is that local races are where you can dedicate whatever resources you have to make a difference. So I'm talking a $25 donation. That goes a huge, a huge, a long way in a local race. If you don't have $25 to give, you can show up to a union hall, like here at AFSCME, and make some phone calls, take a canvas packet, go out and knock on some doors. And whether it's a state representative candidate, a county board candidate, whether it is a ballot initiative, you can make a huge, huge difference. We're going to have on the show a bunch of great candidates. We also have um, former Assistant Majority Leader Al Riley. I was just talking to him before the show started. Um, And, you know, he made a huge point, too, that in these races, we have to communicate to voters and know, make sure they know who they're voting for and who's on the ballot because the quality of candidate issue is a huge issue in these races. You don't want someone representing you in Congress who is at the January 6th insurrection trying to overthrow the government. You don't want that person representing you in D.C. But you also don't want someone at your township elected who's trying to abolish townships or trying to abolish local control. So getting some education about who are those people, how important those races are, and uh, how you can participate is, is critically important, and that's what we're going to talk about here today. Now, my background um, is in political communications. I worked with Amy Senator Amy Klobuchar when she ran for President of the United States. I worked with her when she was in the Senate. I run a congressional office in D.C. I've run races statewide. But I started in these types of races in 2010 in Nevada, in a very, very difficult year, as we all remember, running state Senate races. And those were 
critically important to us out there. We were able to pass things like automatic voter registration because even in a tough year, we were able to keep people in office who could make a difference. We were able to do things like raise the minimum wage because we were able to keep people in office in a tough year who will make a difference. And that is what we're seeing here, too. These are the candidates you need to get into office to make a difference um, in your everyday life. So um, we're excited. We have a great lineup. Like I said, uh, assistant, former assistant majority leader Al Riley is going to be here. We have Larry Kirkstra, who's a current county board member in our first hour. Donnie Miracle in our first hour. She is running for county. She's a county board candidate, as well as Sony Troy Williams, uh, who is for running for the third appellate uh, court judge, which is a huge area because we had her on our last local remote in Will County in Plainfield uh, last Tuesday. So we are happy that she's going to be able to join us here again. I want to take a quick break from politics for a second just to, to give a uh, uh, shout-out to the Kankakee Riverwalk construction. I know it's a big deal that's happening here. And uh, doing some research before the show, seeing how you guys are going to turn a whole acre on the north bank of the Kankakee River. It's going to become a huge segment of the currents of Kankakee, a huge riverfront district. It's going to be an entry plaza, streetscape improvements, bike racks, a pavilion, uh, kayaking and canoeing. Uh, very exciting to see that, that type of development happening here. It's 4.1 miles along the Kankakee River from the Frank Lloyd Wright Bradley House on Harrison Avenue to the Riverside Medical Center campus on Wall Street. I love that Kankakee has a Wall Street. That is uh, that is great. The financial district of of uh, Kankakee is excellent. Um, so we're going to get started here uh, very shortly. Um, you know, one thing I want to give voice to too is to recognize that we are at a local AFSCME union hall and how important unions have been to the Democratic Party and how they are such an incredible backbone. Different places I have worked, it is remarkable how union organization, it's not just about just electing Democrats, it's about electing people who will protect workers. And that is different types of industries in different places. I said I worked in Nevada. When I was in Nevada, I watched the culinary union do amazing work with the workers who are on the Las Vegas Strip, back of the house, front of the house, porters, everybody getting organized and making sure that they get out the vote and elect people who care about them. When I was in Minnesota, the Iron Range, my grandfather uh, was an iron ore miner, watching them organize workers up there and exercise some worker power and make sure that they got the protections that they needed, that people had hours off, that they were scheduled properly, that they were given a fair living wage. And here in Illinois, in Kankakee, it's an honor to be here, too, in a local AFSCME union hall. You all are across the country making a huge difference in you're going to make a huge difference um, this election cycle as well. So we're excited to have these candidates on. Uh, we are going to talk about a lot of different issues, things that you might not normally hear about in the national news, uh, but we are going to see how these candidates are meeting people, how they are running their campaigns with two weeks to go. And again, it's, it's so critical that we have a strong local bench because these are the candidates that you run into in the grocery store, on the street corner, who are your point of contact in local government, who can make a difference, who can do constituent services. If you have an issue, you go to them. They try to help solve it. They are the ones who try to help cut through the chaos. And what's interesting about these types of local candidates is you always ask people, you know, do you like Congress? They poll, you know, Congress's approval ratings. I always like, you know, 
20%, 15%. I sometimes am curious who are the 85% of people who think, you know, uh, who, th- who think there's a small percentage of people who do think they're doing a good job. But with your local candidates, you know them. And if you ask a question of what do you think of your local uh, state representative, what do you think of your local county board member, you generally see that the approval of those members is higher because there's trust there, because you know them, because you work with them. At the same time, they don't get as much airtime as they should. So I think part of the work that we're doing here today is not just to introduce you to these candidates, but to help build some trust in the institutions that really matter locally that are going to make a difference to you. So what we're going to do is go to break, and then once we come back, we're going to come back with uh, Al Riley, the former assistant majority leader in the Illinois House of Representatives. Take Jonas Esposito, live, local, and progressive with you on the go by using the TuneIn app on your phone. Just search for WCPT 820. WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk, where facts matter. Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive. Every weekday afternoon from 2 to 5 p.m. on WCPT 820. Hey, everybody. This is Tim Hogan. I'm in for Joan Esposito today. We're back at the AFSCME Union Hall in Kankakee off Schuyler Avenue uh, by the river. Our uh, broadcast today is sponsored by the Illinois Democratic Women of Kankakee County. Stop by if you're in the area and you can meet some of the county candidates. Uh, very excited to get to our first interview. Uh, it is with former Assistant Majority Leader, former State Representative Al Riley of the 38th District. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you and thank WCPT for coming out uh, to Kankakee. You've done this a few times over the years, and, you know, we really, really appreciate it. I want you to just put a fine point on the importance of local races. We, you know, we do this, we're doing this show because these races have a huge impact. But you, maybe more than anybody, has seen what matters with these candidates, getting these candidates elected to local office. Well, local races are extremely important. You've heard people sort of on the other side of ideology of most all of us in this room say that they were really going to concentrate on local races, especially school boards and what have you. Local races are important because you're crafting policy, you know, for the people in your area, and it's extremely important. Um, you know, I myself, you know, I was a, a village trustee, and, you know, I was on a township board and, you know, then became state rep. Um, and you do meet people. I mean, you're very close to the, uh, the folks that you represent. So local races are extremely important. What was your inspiration to first run? Uh <laughs> My son. Oh, good. My son, who was, I don't know, eight years old at the time or something, that's over, you know, 35 years ago, um, said that um, there was a friend of his that played baseball, you know, with him, uh, who was the uh, city clerk. And she was passing information to me um, about uh, doing some consulting for the for the city. You know, they were looking at uh, 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 sort of a... Uh, village manager form of government mm-hmm. and would I come and assist them of course for free and so and so I did and a position came up on the board and you know later I ran and won and 
you know, the rest is history. I think that's such an important thing for people to know too, is like, you can do it, right? Like you can make the leap. You have to be intentional about running for office. But what you're saying about Republicans, you know, they've focused on spending on these local races for a very long time. There have been points where Democrats haven't run people in that's seats correct. that are competitive, that's you know, correct. and it's about recruiting a bench and getting a slate going because we need to be competitive everywhere. And that's sort of the story of, you know, what we're doing here. That's the story of what we're doing here. But, you know, it's, it's very important. Important. I would tell you know anybody, any organization, uh, never have a position open. <laughs> never. I don't care what it is. Um, school board, library board, and sometimes now one of the things, and and you've said it, and it's something that's in our lexicon: down ballot races. But those races are extremely important. They're just as important as some of the up ballot races, as far as I'm concerned. Um, people sometimes, well, you know, that's a a library board. I said, well, that library that you're talking about that you're sort of giving a little bit disdain to uh, controls about $5 million mm-hmm. and um, has a big impact of what your you know, child is learning. So all elected positions are important, and everybody needs to think of them that way. Yeah. What do you tell people to do to help with these races? Say, say you know, we, we're folks who are not running for office themselves. Do you just go to a field office and knock on the door and say, hey, I want to get plugged in with this campaign? Like, what is the most impactful thing that a person can do for a local race like this? Well, they can do that. And, again, sometimes we say things that sort of makes us feel good to say them, but they really don't make a lot of sense like down ballot raises are, you know, are not important, or I don't go to any of my school board meetings or whatever the case may be. That's the first thing you should start doing, mm-hmm. going to all those meetings. You can't complain later and say, well, you know, what are they spending this money, you know, uh, uh, my tax money for, when you didn't go to the meeting where they were doing the budget mm-hmm. or doing the levy. So the first thing you need to do is start getting involved in your own local government, you know, because you can see all those things that are on your tax bill actually happening. That's the first thing. The second thing is um, just sort of do a what I call a flying eye. Look at the people who are running. Look at the people who are in office. What are they doing? Um, I've helped candidates in the past, and one of the first things I say is, why do you want to run for office? Mm-hmm. And, you know, they <laughs> sort of do the Ralph Cramden, how many, how many. you got to answer that question, because if you don't know why you're running, or you're running so you can call yourself honorable or whatever, it is, then I don't want you. Mm-hmm. You really have to get behind people in your community that you know can do the job, that they know something about the position that they're running for. That's extremely important. Because what we have from time to time are people who uh, take good pictures. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, uh, there was a guy once run against me, state rep. And he was saying the first thing he was going to do is build, uh, bring Bill Gates out to the uh, district. <laughs> okay. <laughs> great. That sounds great. <laughs> that, that, sounds, that sounds really great. How are you going to do it? Right. So we, we really have to vet our local candidates because, to be honest with you, some of them you know, at the local level and maybe at other levels too, sort of are Judas goats in that, you know, the Judas goat is the goat that leads the rest of them to the slaughter. Um, you may think somebody, oh, you know, they, they, you know, talk a good game and they take good pictures, Mm -hmm. but you don't know what their connections are. You know, they may be trying to do something in your local area that's not good for the area. You know, they may be working on some kind of abatement, uh, 
to a company that doesn't really deserve it, and you don't know that. So you really have to research the candidates. And when you find somebody that's really good, you know, it's, it's about us rather than about them, then that's the person you get behind. Yeah. And you get behind them with all of the fervor that you can muster. Right. I mean, candidate quality is such a huge issue, right? It's exactly what you're saying. Um, what is the message that you want people to hear about these candidates in the closing two weeks here? I mean, we hear national noise. Like I said, there's polls that, you know, this is the most important thing, then this is the most important thing. What do you think is the closing message for some of these local candidates in the last 14 days here? Well, I, I was a statistician at one uh, time. I, I taught statistics. Um, polls, you know, a well-done poll, anybody who took Stat 361 knows a well-done poll is extremely accurate. What's happening today is everybody can be a pollster. Mm-hmm. Everybody is a pollster. I've talked to some people with well-known polls, and they wouldn't have passed my class. <laughs> so, you know, the, the, the margins of error two weeks out of greater than 4%, that's a worthless poll. Um, the thing that I think that people have to realize, and it is something that we, again, say time and time again, but it really makes sense. I guess since uh, 2016, we've been saying elections are the most important election of our lifetime. And we said it again yeah. and again and again, you know, the midterms, and we're saying it now. So all elections right. are the most important election of your lifetime. We have a situation right now. We have... In American history, we've had people who did who did not benefit from their enumerated rights, and then they gained them. You know, women, uh, uh, African Americans, and so forth. But we've never had a situation where an enumerated right was taken away from you, mm-hmm. and we just had that with the Dobbs decision. Now, if you think that that's it, then you got another thing coming. They're going to look at look at other things that possibly they can take away. Mm-hmm. So, those kinds of decisions uh, have implications at the federal level, but at the local level also. For example, you know, if you're running for um, state rep or state senator, um, you're dealing with a program in you know Medicaid mm-hmm. that's a federal federally derived program that the states run. So. All of these levels of government are uh, connected in mm-hmm. one form or another. And if we want to protect our rights, then we'll do everything that we can do to get good candidates elected and uh, remember that um, uh, the alternative is something we really don't want to think about. Right. Right. And it, it, to your point, you know, it's the most important election. It's the most important election. We hear that over and over and over again. It might be true every election. And I think there's something to be communicated to people that, um, you know, your civic rights are a continual exercise. It's a muscle. You have to vote in every election that you can. That is what makes democracy work. Even if the stakes feel elevated because, you know, Donald Trump is on the ballot in 2020 or 2016 and, you know, that feels horrific. Or 2018, we feel like we can take back the house and check donald trump so that's the most important election or now we're trying to you know prevent ourselves from backsliding we have election deniers we have you know like you said the dobbs decision we have a whole bunch of other issues but is that a 
useful message? Is that what we, can we get people to get out and vote every time if we say this election is the most important election, even if it's true? Or what do we tell? What do we? What do you tell people to that say I voted and nothing changed, or I voted, I didn't get everything I wanted? What is? What do you tell people? Well, I'm not big on cliches, and so that's why I don't say you know it's the most because all election from 2016 and on. Maybe some people would say from 1980 on, Mm -hmm. all elections are the most important election of our lives because of what's at stake, you know, and and that's important. Um, Our side, frankly, is the um, is the party of hope. It's the party of inclusion, period. Mm -hmm. And the other side doesn't believe in that. Um, When people say and they say that all the time, especially on our side. You know, Democrat. Well, you know, I voted and it didn't seem to matter. And I'll say things like, did you look at the uh, uh, presidential uh, at the uh, uh, conventions in you know, the last uh, presidential race? Yeah, I did. I said, did, you, did you look at the Democratic convention? Look at the crowd. Mm-hmm. Did you look at the Republican convention? Look at the crowd. Yeah. Look at the things that are trying to be promulgated on every level of government by the two parties. You know, we're talking about and, you know, we're talking about things that benefit everyone versus fear Mm -hmm. and no plans at all. You know, sort of uh, pandering to the um, zero sum game, folks. Mm -hmm. Well, if somebody gets something, then I lose. No, no. Everybody gets something. Everybody was supposed to get something from the beginning. Right. So. No one's taking anything. We're just broadening those opportunities that um, our Constitution uh, gave to all of us, and we're trying to make them real. Yeah. And um, you can't take care of a lot of inequity hundreds of years just in one election. But trust me, we're getting there. And then I'll start listing the things that are happening, like uh, everybody's got shots and arms. Yeah. You know, uh, with good vaccines, not bleach. <laughs> um, the economic problems we were having, uh, President Biden had, you know, great pieces of legislation that put money in people's pockets. The whole deal about um, reducing child poverty and ha- that was real. Huge. That, that was, was real. And that is what government is supposed to be about. Yeah. And so after all that said and done. That's why it's important for you to get out there, back these good candidates, you know, look at what they're talking about, look at who supports them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it is a message you have to continue to say over and over and over again. Do you think, and we have just a couple minutes here left, but I'm always so curious, people who are on the inside of government, seeing how it works every single day, you live and, and breathe it. I've seen how the sauce <laughs> is. Did, did, is, was there a noticeable shift for you in this got harder over time to work with the other side? Did you did you see sort of you know the train coming of extremism on the other side, or were you always kind of like, ah, you guys are a little kooky over there? Um... It was sort of a continuum. One of the things I have the benefit of, though, um, at the time that I served uh, and I retired in 2019, um, you know, I can name them, I'm not, but, you know, there were a lot of people uh, on the Republican side that we worked, we got a lot of things done. Mm-hmm. Sure, they had some of their ideological stuff we we're always going to have fights with. But for the most part, 
you know, a lot of those folks were, uh, you know, willing to work with you. Um, I would imagine that, you know, uh, what happened in 2016 changed a lot of people, changed the way they thought, maybe changed the things that they thought they had to do mm-hmm. to be successful. But I would suppose if I went back to some of uh, you know my GOP friends that, you know, we accomplished a lot of things, they would tell you that uh, this is not uh, the party that, that they spent time with. Yeah. Well, we're going to go to a break here very quickly. Um, we're so glad that you were able to join us. You have such an incredible insight on everything. What's your closing message to people? 14 days left. My closing message is, again, uh, for you know all the local folks down here in, in you know, beautiful, historic Kankakee County, uh, get behind these candidates. We've got some really good candidates. You know, I, I know them all, um, and uh, they're going to be sure, you know, p- to protect your interest. And I will tell everybody else, um, get out there, get out to vote. If you've early voted, that's great. But, you know, if there's people that need to go, you know, help to go to the polls, get them out there. But we've got to vote. When we vote, we win. That's great. Uh, former Assistant Majority Leader Al Riley, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you. Up next, we have Larry Kirkstra. He's a current county board member. We will be right back. There's no excuse to miss Joan Esposito. It's number one on my stereo. Live, local, and progressive. You can listen to her daily at WCPT820.com on your computer or phone. There's new information. Explosive new information. It's how every day starts. Need for information. Get the info you need from Santita Jackson. Weekday mornings starting at 6 on WCPT 820. This is Joan Esposito. Live, local, and progressive on WCPT 820. Hey, everybody. This is Tim Hogan. I'm in for Joan Esposito. We're back. We're at the AFSCME Union Hall, Local 29, here in Kankakee, off Schuyler Avenue, by the river. I like to say down by the river. I'm going to say that from now on. Uh, today's broadcast is sponsored by the Illinois Democratic Women of Kankakee County. Stop by if you can. You can meet all the great county candidates. And uh, we have up next with us Larry Kirkstra. He is a current county board member, District 21, but redrawn into District 23. He is so powerful that he's on the ballot, but he's on a Post, so no one wanted to even try. Um, so he's helping other candidates. So, so I have no questions for you, Larry, about yourself. Just the okay. other candidates. No. Does, but, that, does that mean we're done now? I can leave. Yeah, exactly. But um, so how, you're in that position, and so you're here. To, you're supporting other candidates. And tell us a little bit about how important those races are. What you're doing to, to help these other folks out. Well, uh, as we, every every race is important. Every race is important. But the most important thing about any race is offering the opportunity to run. And there are so many people out there that are neglected because of somebody's personal reasons or somebody's personal opinions or whatever, because of their age, because of their their youth or whatever it is. But we can't stand back and let those things stop us. Somebody may not have as much education as another person have or influence or, or, or whatever it is. But we have to encourage those people to step up because those people are the ones that are going to make the difference because they want to make a difference. Mm-hmm. They want to get involved. 
That's the first step. They want to get involved. And so we had, we had many people come up and, and, and ask about uh, running for different positions, and we didn't candy coat it to them. Mm-hmm. We told them exactly what it was and how it was going to be and what they were going to have to deal with. But it's nothing more than dealing with everyday life. Yeah. What's that non-candy coated version of it? Give me the worst pitch possible on running for, for office here. Okay, the non-candy coated yeah. version. All you got to do is show up and sit down and not do anything, not say anything, and just <laughs> when somebody when somebody puts her hand up, you go okay. <laughs> <laughs> but but the candidates that you find, the candidates that you all have recruited, these are people who are deeply embedded in their community. They care. They're they're they're, they're been around in their communities. They've done community service mm-hmm. without any recognition at all. They've just seen a job that needs to be done. They've gone out there and done the job and benefited their community. This running for office is no is no different. You see a job, you want to do the job, you go in and you try to do the job. And you do it not for yourself, not for any one group, but for everybody in the community. Mm-hmm. That's the attitude you have that's the attitude that you have to have, and that's the attitude you have to keep. Regardless of what you're doing, you're doing it for everybody in the community. I may be part of the 23rd district. It's mostly a residential area. But that doesn't mean I don't care about the, the, the people out in the rural areas with their issues and their problems. I'm there to work for them, too, yep. just as well. Everyone benefits. All ships. Yep. Yep. That, I, I think what's so important, too, is to tell people that the barrier to entry, you can do it. There is also a support system for you to do it. There are people like you who have, who know the ropes, who can walk candidates through what it looks like. There's local party infrastructure. And it's part of the point that we're making here is you need to invest in those things so we can find the right people for these positions. And people have a variety of backgrounds in these positions. It's not like you have to be a trial lawyer or you have to be in banking or have, you know, certain connections. You know, you have a 40 plus year union background, right? I can't think of a more you you know, important background for someone to be in office. Okay. I'll buy that. <laughs> I'll vote for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh yeah, I I've spent uh in total, I, I, I started off working in a, in a, in a factory uh, not too far north from here uh, on the south side of Chicago uh, back in 1973. Hmm. I know. You weren't even around. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, uh, and uh, I, I wound up, I was stacking boxes in, 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 at the end of the line of the production line. And got involved in the uh, production part of it and went back and started beca- became a machine operator and what they call a troubleshooter or machine uh, machine upkeep and went into a machine repair person and wound up wound up after 17 years uh, I was uh, raised to asked to be a foreman mm-hmm. and run a crew and I went in and I Took the position, was running the crew. Unfortunately, management didn't feel that it was right that I should get along with the people that I had. <laughs> I had to be a little more hard-nosed, even though we were second as far as production at the plant. But And all during during that time before, I was a steward, mm-hmm. a shop steward the same way. As a matter of fact, I think I was 19 when I became a shop steward. But uh, that way, and anyway, I left that position because I couldn't treat people like that. Mm-hmm. So I started a new career. And I got into the building trades. 
and I finished work, up working in the building trades 28 years, 27, 28 years. And, uh, you know, I, it, it was just, it was a good time. And I was a, I was a shout, uh, I was a steward there while, while I was working for them. And, uh, it was just great. I had a wonderful time and met some of the best people I can imagine meeting. Just honest, down to earth, hardworking people that cared about every little thing that affected their life, wondering what they can do to change things. Just getting people involved and talking to them. I mean, it's, it's just fantastic. That's great. We are, um, this is, you're listening to us on WCPT. We're live from, uh, Kankakee County at local AFSME 29 here. Uh, we're talking with Larry Kirkstra. He is a current county board member, District 21 in a newly drawn District 23. He's helping candidates run for office this cycle. So you are recruiting people to be on this county board to help you, basically. You are to do the work. And so talk to us a little bit about what the county board looks like right now, uh, you don't. it's not the Senate, you don't have a filibuster, but you still got to work with people, you still have to get things done. What, what are those priorities for you? Well, first of all, I'm not just here recruiting people to be involved in the county board. I'm here to recruit people to be involved. Period. Period. And, there, and, and public service is not necessarily holding an office. It's not having a title. Uh, uh, Mr. Riley just just got done telling us that you know it's it, that's not what it's about. That's you you first you have to have the desire for public service, okay? And you and go out and help the public. When they asked me my fir- the first day I walked in there and I and I was sworn in to take the position for the 21st district, they asked me why I was there. Mm-hmm. I came here to see if I could help, and that's it. That's the that's the bottom line right there. Now, and as far as it, anybody else in there could take that for what it was, I didn't come here to take any, to take over. Mm-hmm. I didn't come in here to tear anything down. I came in here to help build something, not for myself, but for everybody out there. That's great. I mean, that's the core of public service, right? Like, you that, are there to help. We that, need helpers. That's just it. John F. Kennedy said it. Don't ask what you can do, what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. This is exactly what he meant. Get involved in any way possible. I have people who come to me all the time and say, you know what? We're doing this event over here. You know, we know it doesn't have anything to do with where you're at. You know what? I want to promote that, and I want to send people from my district over to this event to see what's going on in that community and to bring a positive thing from one community back to another community. That's what it's all about, but we don't do it until we cross that line. Mm -hmm. We get outside of our own bubble. We get outside of our own comfort zone. I hate politics. (laughs) I hate politics. I'll say it a third time. Yeah. I hate politics, but you know what? I love all of the positive people that I've been meeting. That's great. That's what, the best part of it. What is your? I you know I asked this to um, uh, Assistant Majority Leader, uh, former Assistant Majority Leader Al Riley too. But what is? You've got 14 days left. You got to tell. Uh, you got to make a pitch to the voters. What's your closing pitch to voters? My closing pitch to voters. Do you want me to say it's the most important election of all? <laughs> Get out there and vote. You'll, it, this, is, this is going to determine, you know what, people? If you want change, get involved, period. 
Whoever tells you your vote doesn't matter, you're right. It doesn't matter when you don't use it. And nobody got where they were today because they did something yesterday. They got there today because they did something years back. They started working on it. It was a process. It went up. We're talking about th- we're, when we're talking about our, our economy that we have now and the recession that we're in. You know what? Somebody else said a long time ago, we have nothing to fear but fear itself and brought us out of one of the worst depressions that this country had ever seen and one of the worst world wars that we had ever seen. But it didn't happen overnight. And it didn't happen because of one person. It happened because everybody stood up and got together, took care of each other, and helped each other out. And when somebody needed assistance, they were there for them. That's what we need to be. I don't care. The parties, yes, I am a Democrat. I consider myself a progressive Democrat. But if you're a Republican and you need help, you got it. When I talked earlier about building a strong party, I think I was talking about Larry Kirkstra. I didn't know it at the time, but this is the powerful, unopposed Larry Kirkstra. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we will be right back. This is Tim Hogan, WCPT, live from Kankakee. Need a new social media account to follow for progressive politics? WCPT 820 is your best source for both progressive politics and programming. Give us a like on Facebook and a follow on both Twitter and Instagram. This is WCPT 820, where facts matter. Don't turn that dial. A dangerous mistake to make. Jonas Esposito, live, local, and progressive, returns right now on WCPT 820. Hey, everybody. This is Tim Hogan. I'm in for Jonas Esposito today. Uh, we are back at the local AFSCME Union Hall, Local 29, here in Kankakee County. We're on Schuyler Avenue, down by the river. Uh, today's broadcast is sponsored by the Illinois Democratic Women of Kankakee County. And if you want to stop by and meet some county candidates, uh, you should come by. Uh, we just finished talking with Larry Kirkstra, his current county uh, board member. And now we're going to talk to Dondi Miracle, who is a county board candidate for District 27. Welcome. Thank you. So glad that you're here. Um, Talk to me a little bit about your background sitting on numerous volunteer groups, past and present. I know you have a really strong history of activism and and work in the community. Yeah, well, my passion is volunteering. (laughs) I like that better than my job. (laughs) Good. Um, But I'm current... um, our president, our vice president of Hippocrates Medical Clinic, which we serve um, people with high deductibles or no insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been the past president of that, and we do have a health fair every year in August, which is has been pretty successful. Mm-hmm. We have a you know we have it outside, and it's pretty hot. <laughs> um, also, I'm a member of the women's club, past president of that. Um, we did do a governor's project a few years back. Um, it's at the courthouse, and we've had three governors from the city of Kankakee. Mm. Oh, wow. Uh, two um, Republican and one Democrat. Got that one Democrat. Oh, that's yep. great. Good. <laughs> of course, the Democrat was the one that stayed out of jail. Oh, sure. Okay. <laughs> 
Um, also, um, I've been a member of the Bradley Lions Club for 10 years. Um, we have a pancake breakfast that we raise money to buy glasses for people that can't afford them. Um, and I do the sight and sound where we go to different places and do vision tests. And um, like I say, get gla- we sort of kind of service the Kankakee Mantino area um, for that. And then I've uh, also been past committees, Friendship Festival, Community Art Council, Kankakee, worked on the Fall Art Stroll, Strawberry Jazz Festival. Um, I have served on the Public Library Board, which I, uh, one of the people that were before me mm-hmm. said how important that is, yes. and it is, because we had people trying to tell us that we need to have um, censorship, which in the library you don't censor stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I've served on system boards and, um, uh, you know, the state board and the national board yeah. for the libraries. Um, I just want to pause for a second and try to take all of that in because that is uh, so much. And I just, we've had, you know, conversations already in the, in the first half hour here, first 45 minutes here, about getting people who are deeply embedded in the community, who care about the community, who have done the work, who have not been chasing the title for chasing the title's sake, who are competent, know what they're doing. I mean, what you just listed is is a life's work, right? That is, that is, that is so important. I just want a, a round of applause for you, please, for the amount of work that you've done. I mean, it's a health clinic, it's glasses, it's an arts council, it's libraries. That's, that's truly, truly remarkable. So I want to applaud you for that. Um, and you are now running uh, in District 27 for, county, uh, for the county board. So tell me a little bit about what motivated you to take that next step. You know what? That's my passion mm-hmm. is to serve the, serve the people. Yeah, I, I, I can tell. <laughs> that is, it's it's a remarkable list of, of, of things that you've accomplished. Once you get involved in politics, it's kind of in your blood. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I want to, we're at an AFSCME uh, local union hall, too, and I know you have uh, a union household. Um, your husband's a union electrician. Um, so you understand the importance of, you know, making sure that working people, people have their backs and unions are a good way to do that. Yes. He's, he's been, um, local 15 IBW. Um, and it's because of the people in the past that made it where he, he, you know, was able to get a good salary and a good pension and, yeah. So we thank the union members from the past. So we have it pretty good now. That's great. That's great. You also, so we're not even done listing all of the things that you have, have worked on and the things that you've accomplished. You're also the new Kankakee County Democratic Party chair. So that is a ton of work in and of itself. Self, tell me a little bit about uh, what that's like. Well, you know what? There have been a lot of people that stepped up. Um, I couldn't do it by myself. I appreciate all the help everybody's given me. Um, you know, everybody's kind of passionate about the work they've, they've done. They'll say, oh, I'll do that. Um, like I say, I just, I'm grateful for everybody that's stepping up. That's absolutely great. Um, 
We are. You're listening to WCPT right now. This is Tim Hogan. I'm in for Joan Esposito today. We are down in Kankakee County uh, doing a local remote with candidates who are on the ballot. We have 14 days to go until Election Day, and we're talking with uh, Dondi Miracle. She is a county board candidate in District 27, has a remarkable resume of, of work that she has done, and is telling us a little bit now about the work that she's done as Kankakee County Democratic Party chair. I assume that some of the work with that is making sure that you can bring people together. You know, we are, as Democrats, we don't agree on everything all the time, but it's also, you know, herding people together. There's a larger mission that people believe in. What is what is that work like? You know what? My feeling is you should be able to speak on how you feel without anybody taking offense and still be able to work together. Yeah. yeah. You know, not get mad because you don't agree with me. Or if I don't agree with you, I'm going to speak up and tell you, hey, I don't agree with that. But whatever the final decision is, everybody needs to, you know, respect that. Right. And I think that's as, as important as working on different boards. Oh, absolutely. And, that, you know, it takes strong, strong leadership to do that. And I'm sure part of that conversation, too, is at the end of the day, we may have disagreements amongst ourselves, but we are much closer together than some people who are on the other side trying to tear us apart. Correct. Um, I, I have a question here. I'm supposed to ask you about your November 5th rally. What's happening on November 5th? Okay. We have um, actually um, several candidates that are um, going to be attending. Um, it's at Perry Farm, um, November 5th. It starts at 1 o'clock. Um, Susanna Mendoza is coming. Um, Mary Kay O'Brien. Um, Senator Pat Welsh. Um, Let's see. I can't think of all the. <laughs> there's, That's a good there's ticket a, already. <laughs> we have a, we have a good lineup coming. Yeah. So hopefully people will come out and uh, get motivated to get out and vote and get everybody elected. Yeah. That's great. Uh, so I've asked everybody who's up here, and I think you know we've heard a variety of answers here. But if you had to deliver a closing message, if you have to convince voters in the final 14 days here, what's your pitch to them to motivate them to get out and vote, but in particular to get out and vote in your race? Yeah, to vote. It makes a difference. <laughs> It does. It does make a difference. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Donnie Miracle, uh, she is uh, sits on numerous groups she told us about. She is a county board candidate for District 27. Um, she has a rally coming up at Perry Farm mm-hmm. on November 5th um, with some great candidates, and we hope to see you there. Is there a website they can go to to learn more information about that event? Um, you know what? Um, it's on the Kankakee County Democratic website. Great. Go to the Kankakee County Democratic website to learn more about that event. We hope to see you there. Dondi, thank you so much for joining us. Okay, thank you. We'll be right back. Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive. Every weekday afternoon from 2 to 5 p.m. on WCPT 820. The Rick Smith Show, live, weeknights from 8 to 10 p.m. Look at what's happening. The Rick Smith Show on WCPT 820. Everyone is talking about it. Chicago's progressive talk. Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive. The reason that I listen to you from the infamous other side, you will call a spade a spade, and if it's indefensible, you will not defend it. And you know what? I can respect that. On WCPT 820.
Hey, everybody. This is Tim Hogan. I'm in for Joan Esposito. We are back at local AFSCME Union Hall 29 uh, in Kankakee on Schuyler Avenue down by the river. Today's broadcast is sponsored by the Illinois Democratic Women of Kankakee County. Stop by if you can. You can meet some of the local county candidates. Um, up next, we have Sunny Troy Williams. She is running for the third appellate court judge. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I want to ask you a little bit about your background and what exactly is it the position that you're running for? What, yeah. is, this, what is this job? So the 3rd District um, Appellate Court covers all of Kankakee, of course, DuPage, Will, Iroquois, LaSalle, Grundy, and Bureau, and so seven counties. It used to be 21 counties, but they reduced it down um, after the redistricting the census and everything else. So what the appellate court does is a check and balances on trial court judges who either refuses to follow the law or apply it incorrectly. So I've actually been in the courtroom where I've had judges saying, I know I'm wrong, you know, appeal me. Or, you know, I don't know if you guys remember when the um, Marriage Equality Act was passed back in 2013. I have judges, you know, people that I know who actually refused to administer same-sex marriage, even though that was a law of the state of Illinois. So when you're elected as a judge, you're supposed to comply with the U.S. Supreme Court, the Illinois Supreme Court, and all the state, all the state laws. But judges uh, sometimes on the trial court level they don't. So the appellate court is a court of review. So if you have a case, it could be a traffic case, a divorce case, and you think the judge either refused to follow the law or, or applied it incorrectly, you have the right to have that heard by another court of review. And that is the, you know, in this county, it would be the third district appellate court. And when you do file that notice of appeal within 30 days, you will have normally a panel of three judges who would hear those cases and then decide whether to affirm the trial court decision or reverse it or remand it back for another trial. So it's very, very vital that we have the, the right people who are, who will be assigned to hear that case. And so the seven judges right now, um, the makeup of those seven judges, there's only two women justices on the third district appellate court. And that's, of course, Justice Mary Kay O'Brien. And when she gets elected to the Illinois Supreme Court on November 8th, that would be a spot that that would be open. And then Judge Mary McDade from Peoria, first African-American to be elected on the third district appellate court. And, you know, representation in the courtroom at all levels really do matter. Representation matters because it gives the public the confidence that they're going to get a fair and impartial hearing, appeal cases. And when you see, you know, you go to the courtroom and you see someone who doesn't look like you or majority who don't look like you, you have the sense that you're not going to get a fair shake. So, you know, we have all these great representation. We're doing a great job with all, you know, with the assembly and, you know, getting more, you know, women, more women of color to be elected on the general assembly as senators or representative. But we are woefully lacking in representation in our third judicial branch. And that really matters because 2022, we have, you know, a growing population of diversity and everything else. And yet right now we have zero Asian American represented on any any appellate court in the wow. whole entire state. So November 8th, I will be making history as the first Asian American to be elected <laughs> on the third district appellate court. Wow. Yeah.
Uh, I mean, that is that's incredible. And and these courts, they're the machinery of local government that people are likely to run into. And when you run into them, you might be in trouble and you might need help and you might need someone who's there who understands your background or understands the situation that you're in. So you talk about local races being important. I mean, like this is this is critically important. Tell me a little bit about what motivated you to run for this office. So, you know, when I decided to go to law school, I went into law school because my parents, you know, who after you know immigrating her from Seoul, South Korea with barely anything but the clothes on their backs where they worked backbreaking jobs to pr- provide for us, they finally had enough money to purchase a business, a convenience store. And I remember when they were looking for an attorney and they, you know, they didn't find anyone who was, you know, very familiar to them or the background or their, you know, culture. And, you know, I looked around me and I'm like, nobody else looks, you know, similar to me as an attorney. And so I decided to, you know, go to law school, not for my own self-interest, but because I wanted to really improve the profession. And that's what I've always had that mantra throughout my entire career. So I've, you know, been an attorney for 23 years, but I've always been like the only person who looked like me in the room being a trailblazer, you know, in, you know, 2021, I was elected the first, you know, woman lawyer of color to be elected for the third vice president of the largest organization of attorneys in the state. And in this 145 year history, I would be, of course, the first woman lawyer of color to be its president in 2024. But I didn't do that because I needed a, you know, a career advancement. I did it because people actually believed in me and they saw me as someone. If she can do it, then it would make it easier for someone behind me. And so when I got the call of running for the vacancy of Justice Vicki Wright, and that's um, the vacancy that is up for election on November 8th, you know, and they said that I, you know, I should run. I was perfectly happy being the city attorney for city of Lockport. I was, you know, um, doing well and, you know, I love my job. My, you know, my boss is wonderful. The mayor and the city council were wonderful people to work for. And, you know, I, the last thing I thought of was like, I need to run for another, you know, election. And that's, you know, and I did it because again, you know, I want to make it a possibility, an impossibility, a possibility for so many others behind me. And it, Really, in 2022, we really need to make sure we strive to make sure that there's diversity, not only in the legal profession, but also in the judiciary as well. And, you know, it takes someone with, you know, courage and <laughs> the, the, um, the ability to, to want to and have the passion to want to make a difference. And that's what I hope to do when I'm elected November 8th. It's an incredible story. Uh, you're listening to WCPT. We're down in Kankakee County. Uh, we're on with Sunny Choi Williams. She's running for the third appellate court judge. Um, and I just, every guest that we've had, it's remarkable to hear a unique perspective from each one, but it fits the same mold of service. You are doing this not for yourself, to enrich yourself, your family, your friends. There is a 
calling and there is a desire to help others because you saw someone, your parents, struggle at a point and they had to navigate a system that was unfamiliar to them. And the work that we do in these local races, because you encounter local government all the time, is to make local government more familiar, to make it accessible, to see people who you know are going to be there to help you, um, to help make your life better, to help make your life a little easier. Um, so we had you on actually last week in Will County when we were at uh, Mojo's mm-hmm. because this is a huge district. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was asking you what your day looks like on the campaign trail. And sometimes it's getting in a car and driving miles and miles and miles, knocking on doors, driving some more miles, knocking on some more doors. So for listeners, for people who are here, how do we help you? You've got a giant geographic area to cover. How, how can people help you? Just, you know, make sure that people vote. Make your, you know, remind your friends. Text your friends, family. Don't forget to vote. Vote early. Early voting has already started in some of the satellite location. Make sure that you don't sit on the sideline because when you do, when you sit on the sideline, you let the opponent win and you, you let, you know, somebody from, you know, someone who's going to take this position, not with the, you know, the justice in mind, you know, but someone who's doing it for their own, you know, um, career advancement. So, you know, one of the key factor for the judiciary that people don't realize is that, you know, justice has to be equal to everyone. And when you go into the courtroom, it isn't. I've actually observed, you know, the inequities of sentencing. I've, you know, I've seen in the courtroom, you know, um, of, you know, a young white juvenile and a black, you know, male juvenile, they get, you know, charged with the same crime, but different sentencing. And that's the thing is that we have to realize that the judicial system is broken right now. If we see the disparity impact on the black and brown community, and it takes everyone to, you know, say, number one, that that's a issue, and number two, to recognize to do something, rectify it, and figure out how we get, you know, um, judges who recognize that that's an issue and who would do something to improve it. And it is crucial. These judicial elections will, you know, will decide how the balance of everyone's rights are protected. And especially with, you know, Justice Mary Kay O'Brien running for the Supreme Court, we need to make sure that this election, everybody knows about the, the judges on the back. I know we're in the back of the ballot, but don't forget to vote on the back of the ballot because, you know, right now the balance of our protection, our protection for choice, our protection for to organize and everything else, no matter what the General Assembly passes, you know, um, it is going to be under attack or, you know, you're going to have team of attorneys who are going to look at everything that they can do to, you know, reverse the the advancements that we have made under Governor Prisker, and we have to make sure that all of us get elected, especially in the judiciary. Yeah, I mean that that truly underscores the stakes. I've asked everybody. I feel like you kind of just did it. It was it was very good. But what is your closing message in the final fourteen days here? Yep. And so you know, I I'm a naturalized citizen, so I take you know I had to pass a test to um, you know to vote, and you know I don't take that you know, the right to vote, you know, just lightly. And some people do, you know, they just think, oh, it's it's raining. It's I can't make it to the polling places. We need to go out and vote. Vote early. Vote by mail. Do everything you can. And don't, again, sit on the sideline because democracy is at stake. You know, and I hate to say it, you know, but 
hate is on the ballot. You know, we need to realize that hate is on the ballot and we have to make the decision to say no to that and to be, you know, in order to do that, you know, vote, vote with your anger, vote with your civic duty, vote like as if your, you know, right is on the line because it is. And so don't forget to vote on or before November 8th. And if you sleep on the, you know, on the, on, on the wheel, you're just not going to, you know, we're going to go in a worse state than we are right now. So, you know, like I said, go out to vote and vote with your five of your friends and five of your family members. Sonny Troy Williams, we had you on last week. We had you on this week. Let's do it again next week. Let's do it the week after that. We'll just make it like a weekly program. I yes. uh, love to hear from you. Thank you so much for joining us. She's running for the third appellate court judge. Sonny, thanks for being here. Thank you. We're going to go to break, and we'll be right back. Can't listen to Joan Esposito? Surely you can't be serious. Live, local, and progressive in your car today? I am serious, and don't call me sure. Don't fret. You can still listen to her on the TuneIn app on both your phone and computer. Computer. Whoa! You feel that right away. Oh. It's just refreshing. You're listening to WCPT 820 because facts matter. You know what time it is? Hello? Can you hear me? It's time to return to the best progressive talk show in Chicago. Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive. Now on WCPT 820. Hey, everybody. This is Tim Hogan. I'm in for Joan Esposito. We're back at Ask Me Local Union Hall 29 in Kankakee County on Schuyler Avenue down by the river. Today's broadcast is sponsored by the Illinois Democratic Women of Kankakee County. You should stop by and meet some of the county candidates. Um, we have had a fantastic show so far. I'm excited to welcome Arcelie Sharper. She is a county board candidate for District 12. Arcelie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Tell me a little bit about your background and why you're running for this seat. Okay, um, let's see. I grew up in Braidwood, and I've been in Essex, which is the next town over from Braidwood as a child. Um, grew up, uh, we've been in Essex for 25 years now. We have four children, and my husband's a union carpenter. Um, so we've thrived and, and have been able to build a life in Essex through um, the union, which I'm very proud of. Um, I'm a college graduate from DePaul University, master's. In, um, I have an MFA, and I'm, you know what? I'm always learning. I believe that everyone should always be learning yeah. at all times, you know? Absolutely. What, um, tell me a little bit about your motivation to get involved in public service or to get involved in this race in particular. Um, honestly, it's always been something that's, that I've been wanting to do. Um, when I was at DePaul, I was actually pre-law, and it was always my goal to somehow get into politics and make changes. Um, growing up in Braidwood, which is the next town over from Essex, like I said, um, there was a lot that I had seen growing up that, that I wasn't too happy with. Mm-hmm. Um, and just as I, as I got older, and I still kept seeing all of this stuff, and then moving into Essex, uh, changed my major to education, um, just thinking that uh, I am always wanting to fight for children. I'm always wanting, I always feel in my heart, in my mind, that if we could prepare this earth, I guess you would say this earth, um, for the future, then we could, we could make changes. We could, we could uh, yeah, make, 
major changes uh, for our children and for ourselves. Mm-hmm. You were telling me a little bit before we started here about, you know, you want part of what you want to see is an improve, improvement in public services because you and your family have had an encounter with public services where you thought, you know, w- we need to do something about this. Absolutely. Um, there has been um, issues in our District 12 where uh, when we need emergency services, it's just the 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 time, the response time has just been really, really slow. Um, it, we did have a personal experience where um, my husband's uncle, uh, they needed help, and they called, and it was over a 30-minute wait for the ambulance to arrive. And wow. it just so happened that um, my son and I were at, my, at our restaurant down the road, and so his grandmother calls him to come and help because the ambulance wasn't getting there. Uh, when they were finally there, um, they needed help getting him into the ambulance. And, you know, it's not – I've been to some of their meetings for the uh, fire department. They're all volunteers. They're amazing people. They've given so much time um, to our community, but they need support. They need someone representing them um, in order to get that support that they need in all of our our, our area. Right. It's a, yeah. It's about the investment in those public services. That it's not, it's not. It's not their fault. They're working with what right. they have. Right. And they need someone who's an advocate to say, "We need more resources here. We need better resources." Absolutely. Here. I remember actually one of the the men on the fire department team right now um, had actually answered a call when I was in a car accident when I was about twenty two. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, and so all my respect for them and appreciation, but. They, they need way more support. Right. And it, again, I mean, it's just, it's every person that I'm talking to here today. Your experience with government is personal and it happens. It's going to happen. It, you should be prepared for it. If you have to call 911, that is sadly an experience that people have. You know, that may be one of the few that they have with public services where they need emergency assistance and it's, yeah. it's so critically important. Now, I don't think many people are aware. If you're not calling, if you're not needing them, then you're, you really, you're not aware about you're aware right. of it. Right. So I'd like to bring awareness and support and make some changes with that. And it's so important too that as as Democrats, I mean, you know, I'm not uh, don't want to say you know we strictly have a, a D next to our name and that's that's how it works or operates, particularly when it comes to county board work and everything. But you know, you are out there in a rural community that is you know probably more conservative. But it's so important for us for for Democrats to be out there and to have people talking to them about how you can help, how you can make things better, that, you know, you're not a it's a, a boogeyman. You're there to improve services and to improve people's lives. Tell me a little bit about the work that you're doing out in, uh, in the more rural part of the county. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, what's been interesting is um, since we're running 1885, the restaurant in Essex, I've had so many people come in now and asking me questions, Republicans and Democrats. Mm-hmm. And um, it's actually been really, it's been an amazing experience to be able to see them come together, come knowing that I am a Democrat and I have so many Republicans coming in and talking to me. And at first I was like, oh, no, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you know, you're, you keep thinking the way everyone else is thinking. They're like, yeah. oh, man, do they, are they going to come attack me or something? <laughs> but they've been great and transparent and and I've been transparent and they and everyone knows that about me. I've been like that my entire life. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I tell people, you know, not many could say that uh, 
they don't have any skeletons in their closet, but I have always been transparent and have always believed in honesty and integrity. So there's not much you could throw at me. So, so being able to have those conversations with, with both Democrats and Republicans alike has been amazing and has been able to bring us together to see that, hey, we have the same issues. You know, right. we, we, we're trying to fight for the same things. Right. Uh, you're listening to Tim Hogan on WCPT. We're down in Kankakee County, and we're talking with Araceli Sharper. She is running for um, County District 12, County Board candidate for District 12. Does having a restaurant help? I feel like that's got to be like, you know, people come in and they're like, I'm hungry, and I'm not thinking about <laughs> politics. Just like feed me, and, you know, we, we can right. build a bond that way first. You know what? It was really um, nerve-wracking, yeah. actually. Uh, I was thinking, oh, no, I, I have to keep this separate. Uh-huh. I have to keep my business separate from my political views. Um, I even had a patron say, you know what? I don't think this is a very good idea. Mm-hmm. You need to really step down from wanting to run. Uh, it's going to destroy your business. And I was like, you know, I, I'm, I think I'm going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And if it does, maybe I wasn't meant to be a restaurant owner. <laughs> I don't know. You know, yeah. um, uh, but like I said, it's actually changed a lot of things. I've been able to speak to so many people that I would have never been able to speak to. Win or lose, there's so many issues that are coming up in through that restaurant now that I'll keep fighting. Right. It doesn't matter. You know, they'll, they'll keep hearing my voice. Right. I mean, That's what I'm here for. Exactly. And it's another one of those things where you're embedded in the community. People right. know your restaurant. They go there to eat, and then you're there. You're running for office. You can talk to them about the important things that, uh, that are, are in, happening in your uh, race. Yeah, I did a little experiment last week. I believe I actually wore my vote air vote for air Sally shirt. I was like, should I do it? Should I not? I don't know yeah. what I'm doing. Okay, right. but I did it. And it yeah. was fun. That's great. Tell me a little bit about some of the priority issues in your county, um, you know, what you really care about. Um, well, like we've said before, it's uh, transparency. I, I really want people to be transparent. We need to stop hiding, you know, hiding issues, hiding information, having Meetings at 9 a.m. when no one could mm. be there. I actually wanted to attend a meeting, uh, a board meeting last week, and I couldn't. I, I would have had to have shut down the restaurant to be mm. able to come to that meeting for my voice to be heard. Wow. So I don't see many people that would be able to do that, you right. know, to just shut down, take a day off, do whatever, the, you know, to be able to attend a board meeting. Right. Um, so uh, the board members, the board meetings have to be more accessible um, so that our voices could be heard, so that our concerns could be heard. Um, they need to uh, be more transparent and let us know what's going on with funding. What, where's this money going? Don't be so aloof about it and just kind of talk about it at this 9 a.m. meeting yeah. and move on. So no one really catches what's going on with anything. You know, you, you hear it at the, you know, at, after the vote. Right. You, and that's the first step to accountability, right? right? You want to know how your funds are being spent, how things are being debated. It's transparency. It has to be a meeting that you can have a meeting if no one can go to it. It's not really transparency. <laughs> right. It's transparency in name only. Right. Definitely. Definitely. Um, the other thing that really concerns me is the fact that um, some of the things that 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 our elected officials are are doing in trying to to reach out to special interest groups and and are and are how do I say this? The, they're benefiting from any any mm-hmm. vote that's going through, mm. right? And I, I'm tired of that. Yeah. I mean, we all work really hard. Right. You know, um, some of us were not born with 
a big fat bank account. Right. I know I wasn't. I know my husband wasn't, you know, where yeah. he came from a farming family, grew up very poor. Um, I grew up in a union home, actually. My dad was a carpenter, and I'm first-generation Mexican, so uh, Mexican-American, sorry, and we've worked. We've worked really hard to get to where we're at. Um, you know, I was the first to, uh, to go to college. My all my children are in college. Uh, we've worked really, really hard, you yeah. know, and we want everyone to be able to um, benefit from all of these decisions that are being made, not just a few. Yeah. Yeah. It's not about the wealthy and well-connected. It should be mm. about everybody. Right, exactly. <laughs> all right. I'm asking everybody, closing pitch, 14 days until Election Day, yeah. what are you telling people? Go out and vote. Mm-hmm. And vote. Be an educated voter whether it's for me or or not. You need to make sure you understand what is going on. You need to understand how your vote is going to affect yourself and your children. Like, it, you know, it's all connected. That ripple effect, I believe in so much. Um, so whoever you are deciding to vote on, make sure that it's an educated decision. That's great. Uh, so I thank you for joining us. Thanks so much. She is running for county. She's a county board candidate in District 12. Yes. Uh, we will be right back after this. Facebook. Message us. Instagram. Instagram. Follow us. Twitter. Tweet us. They keep me connected. Let's get social on the socials. WCPT 820. Tune into the Tom Hartman radio program, your home for news, opinion, and insight, right here on WCPT 820, where facts matter. Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive on WCPT 820. Hey, everybody. This is Tim Hogan. I'm in for Joan Esposito. We're back at the AFSCME Local Union Hall, Local 29 in Kankakee County on Schuyler Avenue down by the river. Today's broadcast is sponsored by the Illinois Democratic Women of Kankakee County. And uh, if you want to stop by, you should. You can meet some great candidates. Excited to speak to our new, our next guest, Marlene Amiller. She is a county board candidate in District 10. Marlene, welcome to the program. Thank you. Um, tell me a little bit about your background, how you got involved, and some of the things that you've done as a community activist. Uh, well, my background is I came here for college and I stuck around. And during the time, Getting to know the community, I found that there were a lot of people who were experiencing inequality. And I'm really passionate about human rights. I want to make sure that everybody feels like they have a voice. So uh, one of the groups that I really got connected with was called Connect Kankakee. And our big focus was dealing with immigration and the issues in this community One specifically was they were detaining people at the Jerome Combs uh, Detention Center down here, and the county was making money off the backs of human beings, and we found that very disturbing. We went to the county board. We had to send a FOIL request asking them just how much money they were making versus how much they were spending, and we begged the county board to get rid of that contract with ICE. And they refused. They said there was no other way for the county to make money. And I didn't think that was right. I felt like there are plenty of other ways we could make money that didn't have to do with human suffering. Mm-hmm. So eventually 
the law went to the state and they can no longer detain people. So we felt like that was a huge victory. Wow. Congratulations. That's huge. Uh, I I always have to ask maybe a little bit in the weeds. Did they respond to your FOIA request? They gave us the runaround. Yeah. Just like a a piece of paper, everything's blacked out, maybe like your name's on it. And it's like, to Marlene, and then you don't see anything else. Um, That's always fun. Transparency, like our last guest was talking about. Right. Um, I mean, that's a remarkable victory. And do you feel like that is what showed you, like, hey, I can make a difference by by being there, by being dogged and focused on an issue, and now I want to make the jump and I want to, you know, run for county board? Absolutely. I also felt like when I would go there to speak to them, um, a lot of them weren't listening. They didn't care. They already had their minds made up. And I want to be one of those people that listens to those voices and makes a decision based on that and not my own interests. Mm-hmm. No, no, that's that's absolutely huge. What um, What's a day in the life like now that you are out there reaching out to, you know, potential constituents, to voters? What is what is it like? It's door knocking. It's phone calls. It's asking people for small dollar donations. What is that? Uh, what's that like? Uh, for me, a lot of it is just getting out there on the pavement and visiting with people, letting them see that I'm just a normal person like them and that they can contact me at any time. I put my phone number on my door knockers so they can get a hold of me. Have people called you? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, won't, I won't tell you to say your phone number over the air unless you want to. It's a very large uh, broadcast radius. Uh, but, you know, that is, that's also critically important is you're there, you're accessible. Someone can call and ask you to clarify a position, whereas, you know, you're talking to a member of Congress or a member of the United States Senate, you got to go through layers and layers of staff. Mm-hmm. But for, you know, in this type of position, it is you, it's you at the door talking to people. And so it's FaceTime with the candidate. It. Mm-hmm. Um, how has how has that gone? The phone calls, the door knocking. You feel like people are respectful. You have a good conversation. A lot of the time, people don't even answer the door. Yes, yes. So yes. I have to leave my door knockers. Sometimes, if I know there's a Bears game, I'll just kind of <laughs> leave it there, and, and I don't sure. bother people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's always as a as a former organizer myself. That is always the like. I know I'm going to hit about ten percent of doors. You know, depending on the day, people are going to want to actually talk to me. Um, Tell, tell me a little bit about your platform. So what are the issues that you think are facing the county now that you really want to take on? Uh, one of them is economic inequality. I feel like there's a lot of areas that need more and areas that have more that don't need it as much. So I'd like to see some of that get dispersed equally. I'm also really concerned about uh, people's mental health and the ways that they can get a hold of other people and get help. I feel like we're really lacking in that area, especially with substance abuse. So I'd like to see more of that. What do you see, just drilling down on that for a second, what do you see as missing in terms of mental health services out here? Is it, is it, is it more funding? Is it a new type of program? You know, what is, what's important to you on that front? There is a lot to do with funding, but a lot of it is also people not knowing where they can turn when they need help. I have personal experience where I had to go to the hospital and then they sent me a number to somewhere and I called that somewhere for like a week and they wouldn't answer mm. my calls. So I went back to the hospital and had to find another number to get a hold of and I felt like it was just 
a lot of pressure when you don't need it. Right. I mean, it's you're, you're telling a similar story here that I feel like, again, everybody has, has talked to us about, which is you have some encounter with the system. Mm-hmm. You see that it's not working for you, for people like you, and you want to go and fix it. Yeah. And, you know, would you think that, does that feel like your motivation for this type of work? I mean, you already have a big success under, under your belt, but um, that's what's driving you here. Yeah. And a lot of it is just being a voice for people who feel like they don't have a voice. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, you know, you've, you've done so much already. You're, you're out, you've got 14 days left. Um, you know, I'm asking all of the candidates, what is your closing pitch? You've been at this for a while now. So what are you telling people in the last 14 days? You know, one of, of course, just get out there and vote. And, you know, if you don't vote, you're not going to be heard. Yeah. Yeah. But you are so are also an example of if you don't go vote, not saying people shouldn't go vote, <laughs> that there are different ways to engage and to make a difference. I feel like sometimes, you know, people think, oh, I've gone and voted and nothing's changed. And so therefore I can I, I'm just going to, you know, uh, be upset with the way that the system is working. But you yourself, you you went to the board meetings. You saw the way that things were going. You haven't liked how they've gone. You made a change. You impacted policy yeah. as a non-elected official, and now you're saying, I'm going to step up because I think I can make a difference as an elected official. Right. Yeah. And and I want people to know that, you know, you can reach out all year round. You don't have to wait until an election. What do you need from voters other than their votes in the closing (laughs) 14 days? How can people help you? Uh, Well, I need people to understand that it's a it's a serious job when you're elected to do the job. You need to show up. You need to go to the meetings. You need to be present. And I can offer that. I have all the time in the world to get out there and go to those meetings. So, you know, that's important. That's excellent. Is there any person who in running for this office or, you know, figuring out as an activist how you've been able to sort of navigate levers of power? I can make a difference by going to this meeting. I can send a FOIA request here. I can, you know, run for office and ask people to vote. Is there anyone who's sort of an inspiration to you that you've looked at, whether, you know, it's like a a famous person or someone who's in your family or a friend who you've thought, you know, I'm doing this because I encountered the system. I want to make it work better for other people because I wanted I wanted to work for me. I saw how it, it didn't work for me in this instance. But is there anyone who really motivated you to, to do this? Uh, actually, Senator Bernie Sanders. Okay. He has been so vocal and honest and open, and I felt that was really inspirational, and I wanted to be that kind of politician someday. That's excellent. Great. Um, well, Marlene, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, she is running for county district. Uh, she's a county board candidate for District 10. Uh, we will be right back after this with more local candidates. There's no excuse to miss Joan Esposito. It's number one on my stereo. Live, local, and progressive. You can listen to her daily at WCPT820.com on your computer or phone. Chicago's Progressive Talk, WCPT820, where facts matter. Don't turn that dial. A dangerous mistake to make. Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive, returns right now on WCPT 820. 
everybody. This is Tim Hogan. I'm in for Joan Esposito today. Uh, we're back at the Ask Me Local Union Hall, Local 29 in Kankakee County on Schuyler Avenue down by the river. Today's broadcast is sponsored by the Illinois Democratic Women of Kankakee County. You should stop by and meet some of the phenomenal candidates that we have here. Uh, very excited to bring on our next guest, Erin Sloan. She is running for state representative in the 79th District. Erin, yes. thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Tell me a little bit about your race. Tell me a little bit about how this is going. You've got 14 days left. How's it going? We've got 14 days. My team, we've hit over 7,000 doors. Wow. We still have, you know, a few more turfs to hit. You know, it's it's raining. So uh, <laughs> there will be phone calls made after we get off the air here. But I, I think it's going well. The reception at the doors, like Marlene said, if they do answer the door, mm-hmm. uh, the, the reception has been very good, even in some of the, the battleground areas. Uh, it's been quite positive. That's excellent. Well, tell me a little bit about your background. What motivated you to run for office? You know, what is it that drives you to do public service? Well, if we can go back to, you know, 20, November 2016, where I found myself curled up in a fetal position <laughs> on the couch watching uh, the Hallmark Channel trying to feel good about the world again, yeah. um, I was really motivated that it was time to do something different. Um, that I had always voted, I had always been um, a volunteer in my community, but there were more talents and gifts that I had that I could give to my community versus just sitting in the back and saying, well, they should do. Well, you know what? Let me be the one out there and do it. So I first ran for trustee in uh, the village of Park Forest where I live now and where I grew up. And um, after you know being there for a while, recognizing that there are a lot of issues that we're dealing with as a community that all of our communities are dealing with that can't be solved you know in a vacuum mm-hmm. that we need to have um, someone in Springfield that is really aware of these issues that has the courage to address these issues that has um, the ability to talk to people, everyone that needs you know that needs help with this that we need to work together i hadn't seen that yet. So when the opportunity came, especially with the, the redrawing of the map, I didn't hesitate to throw my hat into the ring. That's great. So you're, you're challenging an incumbent yes. this race. Um, tell me a little bit about why you look at the uh, results or the representation that you're getting from the incumbent and why that drove you to run in this seat. Well, you know, in doing my due diligence and, and talking to people that were in the state house and just asking, you know, who is this person? They couldn't tell me. They couldn't tell me what her voice was, what it sounded like, let alone what she really stood for. And in doing the background of knowing someone who is a, supposed to be a social worker, which is, you know, people to care about other people and to help them better them, their positions, to, to go back and look at her voting record, everything she did was the complete opposite of that. Mm. So how can we as a community improve if... You're voting against us having more funding for police on our streets. If you're voting against us having more um, increasing the uh, funding for education or you're supposed to be a mental health professional, but you vote against a $200 million increase in, in mental health care for the state, we, that, that's unacceptable. We deserve better as a community and, a, and as a state. And so, you know, I, I want to bring that light to, to everyone 
I mean, that is, it is stunning to have the experience of being someone who is a social worker and then to be able to go and vote against the funding for things that you see, you know, That's people fundamental know. fundamental to your job. It's fundamental to your job. It, it is, it is how you would do your job. And it is a little bit of, it sounds like you're putting, not you, your opponent, uh, is putting ideology above, above. results absolutely. And, and helping people. Absolutely. And that is, that's a huge problem. Absolutely. You know, when we had our forum and the question was presented, um, you know, why did you vote against these things? And it's just like, there's more than one reason to not, to not vote for a budget. Okay. So what is your reason? Give us one. I, I mean, it is the responsibility of someone who's supposed to be elected to um, represent the people we have to justify ourselves. Why did you make this decision? Why did you vote this way? What are you trying to do? I can't tell you. I can tell you what I want to do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if, if that cannot be communicated and your voters don't know that, what is really your purpose in, in having that position besides being a rubber stamp for your tribe? And, and what do you tell people who come to you and say, I need help or I'm having trouble navigating this part of government or I need help with this program? And, you know, if if the if, if they had their way, you would just have fewer resources. Yeah, that's exactly it. And what we see now when we're dealing with, you know, the increase in violence, you know, it's not just throwing more police at the problem. We have to address what are some of the fundamental issues with violence. I mean, we're, we have people in our community that are hungry. Mm-hmm. How can you think about, you know, anything but getting food, right? We have people who are, are hurting that need help, that need homes. We need to address those problems. We can't just sweep it under the rug and say, well, you know, my party isn't supportive of that. Therefore, I'm not going to do anything. That's, that's unacceptable. And I assume that's what you hear from voters, too. All is the that time. They, just, they need They're services. So, they need yeah. constituent services. People are so frustrated. And when we look at the apathy that we see of our electorate, it's because I, they need help and no one is serving those issues. So I want to be a part of the solution of getting people to, one, understand that someone cares and two, we have solutions. And three, hold me accountable until those things are achieved. I think that's something that's also missing, that people get elected to positions and then they disappear. Yeah. It's, it's also always easier to look at government and to think, I'm going to make that not work. I'm yeah. going to find a way, way to make that not work. Why run for a position? In any other job, if you were doing a job interview and you said, you know what, I, I want you to hire me, but I'm not going to do the job. Yeah, you would never get elected. Right. And if you didn't do your job, you would get booted out immediately. Right. And it's it's hard because on the other side, you know, th- making government work is harder than throwing sand in the gears yeah. and making it difficult. Yeah, but we need to have the right people around the table that are willing to to put some oil on those gears, that are willing to clean it, that are willing to, you know, maybe fashion a new part to make it work better. That's what we need. And you've heard from a number of candidates this afternoon that I've been, you know, so happy that we've walked together. We've talked about, you know, if the world, if we had our, our, our way, these are the things that we want to do. I want to see these things advance because all of the people that, um, that we've been working with, 
we could actually do some things. We really could. What are, what are some of those top priorities for you if, well, if you get elected? The, the first priority of mine is to increase transparency and accessibility. So you know if you need services, this is the place that you're coming to. These are, we, And we will direct you to the folks that need it to have um, town halls, you know, um, on, on the regular around the district, not just in one particular portion of the district, but reporting back what's going on in Springfield, what are some of the issues that you're dealing with now, so we can take that back to Springfield and actually work. And, and so it's a constant feedback loop. That's what we, we used to have that, you know, in the, as a kid of the 80s, I remember having those neighborhood meetings and, and stuff like that where, uh, your, your legislators were actually a part of the community versus sitting on some kind of pedestal. So that's the first thing. The second thing is to um, uh, introduce collaboration among the communities where we are dealing with similar problems. If it's violence, if it is, you know, issues with our youth and programming, if it's talking about our seniors or our infrastructure and how we're addressing things, I want the, the office to function as a um, as a brain works, you know, where we're actually coming together and having an information share um, so we can be more efficient um, versus working in a silo. Right. Yeah, you, ha- you have the power as a convener, as yes. an elected official. Yeah. It's, it's about having a table and then making sure everyone has a seat at it. Has a seat and, at the and table. And the experts yeah. are there and people are there who are affected by what's happening. Yeah. And it's a conversation to make things happen, to, yeah. to, to advance policy. So I just, you know... You're talking about town halls across the district. Do you is is what's going on right now? You don't see a lot of accessibility or transparency. Not at all. I mean, even as an elected official in my community, yeah. if I pick up the the phone, it wasn't until I was running for office mm-hmm. that our local legislators would actually call me back. That's a problem. That's a problem. If you're supposed to be advocating on behalf of the 24,000 people that I represent now, mm-hmm. and then you still have people in other, you know, the 23 other communities, if you're not getting back, how, do, how are my interests, you know, how are our interests really being served? If you don't even know who we are, you can't just show up to a parade and, and that be enough, right? No, it's about doing the work. Yeah. And so that I think that is something that I would like to show that it, it could be done in a different way. Will I be tired? Absolutely. <laughs> we're, we're not. I, I, and you know, yeah. I, I can be an idealist, but yeah. I think this is something that is worth being tired for to yeah. do the right thing. That's that's a great that's a great way of putting it. It is. You know, we've said throughout the show, it's the point of the program. You are the point of contact for so many people who interact with their government. You're you should be. Uh, you will be. It sounds like much more accessible than the current incumbent. And that is so important because if people need to reach out to someone to get something done, yeah. you might be the first place they go. Exactly. Exactly. And, and the one thing that I am really proud of, you know, my background, I was a municipal finance banker. Mm-hmm. So I worked with city, states, and local governments across the country to build infrastructure, schools, libraries, you know, water, you know, replace the water sewer, you know, build power plants renewable energy power plants, not the the coal burning ones, but, um, um, you know, we, having worked with a a variety of people from a variety of industries, um, I, there are, and as well as in academia, you know, there are, there, there's a deep well of, of knowledge that can be tapped. You know, it's yes. You know, I grew up in this district, but I know people everywhere that have done some really creative and innovative things that are working in research research labs at U of I 
or, you know, other think tanks um, around the country that could really help us, you know, drive us forward versus trying to keep us, you know, in the, the old ways that have been, you know, exhausted and we're not getting as far as we could. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to go to a break here quickly. We have Erin Sloan with us. She's a candidate for a state representative in the 79th District. She's a trustee in Park Forest right now. Uh, we will be right back. Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive. Every weekday afternoon from 2 to 5 p.m. on WCPT 820. This hour of Joan Esposito Live Local and Progressive is brought to you by Team Hochberg. If you want to buy a house or refinance a house, call 855-56-DAVID or visit 56david.com. Joan Esposito Live Local and Progressive on WCPT 820. Hey, everybody. This is Tim Hogan. I'm in for Joan Esposito. We're back at AFSCME Local Union Hall, Local 29 in Kankakee County on Schuyler Avenue, down by the river. Uh, today's broadcast is sponsored by the Illinois Democratic Women of Kankakee County. Again, if you want to stop by and meet some candidates, you absolutely should. We're going to continue our conversation with Erin Sloan. Uh, she is a candidate for state representative in the 79th district. Um, I feel like sometimes you just like are running for a district and it's like, it's the 79th one. <laughs> and people are like, where is that? So tell me a little bit about what this uh, district looks like. So the 79th district actually covers four counties here in Illinois. We've got the Southern Cook, Eastern Will, Kankakee County, in a sliver of Grundy County. So it's 23 municipalities, um, all all boiled up into one, but it's urban, suburban, and rural. It's it's long. It's oddly shaped. <laughs> it's big. It's really big. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're, I, we had another candidate whose district was similar to that, but you are door knocking. You're like, I have to get in my car and drive for a little yeah, while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so we were, we were batching depending on where I was for work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that helped. Um, but we, we started in Kankakee County, which is the biggest portion um, of of the district and and just to make sure that you know people knew who I was that it wasn't the first time that they were seeing my my name or my face we weren't going to wait until the last minute even though where I live is uh, in the northern part of the district is very um, very blue mm-hmm. um, but we wanted to I wanted to make sure that you know I, I I I was here that people knew I was here that my office is located here just next door um, so it, so yeah but it, it it covers quite a bit of. Bit of, bit of ground, and some of the issues can, are pretty different, but a lot of them are the same. I was going to ask, so there's there's a diversity of issues that you hear about, but you hear a common message from people. Yeah. What do you hear? Yeah, I, people are dealing with really high property taxes. You mm-hmm. know, in some places, uh, the city of Kankakee has the highest property tax rate in the county. The village of Park Forest, where I live in, has the highest property tax rate in the state. Mm. Uh, we have the people that are in the, the community to the south of us, and uh, south of me in University Park, you know, they're dealing with safe drinking water, mm. right? The fact that they hadn't been able to turn on their faucet and drink from it for two years. These are issues that we're all afraid of happening in our own communities, but not very many people talked about it. Yeah. And that's that's scary to me, knowing that there are um, some of the, 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 the utilities that are looking to outs- outsource. They want to actually purchase people's water plants, and they want to be the ones that are responsible to deliver. We need to make sure that we learn our lesson and that we don't repeat some of those things. So, you know, that's one of the issues. We're dealing with an increase in crime uh, across the uh, across the district. And a lot of it is 
our kids are, are being overlooked and forgotten about, mm-hmm. um, that our schools need more funding, or the kids need more programming for after school, uh, that they need to have some sort of hope that they can get a, a good-paying job, a, a job that they can actually earn a living wage um, on. That's across the district, yeah. uh, that people don't want to take on, you know, tens of thousands of student loan debt like I did for undergrad and grad school that they actually, you know, can can raise a family. Those are the common issues that we have. And, uh, of course, making sure that our streets are sound and yeah. and that, you know, we can travel without breaking an axle, right. which we're all dealing with across the place. I, and I assume, you know, you're uh, the daughter of an educator and a law enforcement officer. Yeah. I, so I, that, that probably informs how you hear about some of this yeah. from constituents, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'd like to tell the story. My parents actually met at Cook County Jail. So my mom did, they weren't, they, they were not inmates, but my mother did her student teaching there and dealing, um, she saw at, uh, she was a, a student at DePaul and the, the number of people who didn't know how to read and write, that was her job to help them at least have those skills by the time that they got out of, of jail, that they actually were able to sign their name and, or at least, and, and, and to go on. And my father was a counselor that was helping um, the um, the guys get a job afterwards and to mm-hmm. find housing after they got out of jail. So it's always been about, you know, yes, people might be in a situation for now, but we have a job, we have a responsibility, we have skills that we can give to others to help them better their position. And so although I wasn't a banker and you would think that's not attached, I was still thinking like, oh, we're building public infrastructure. Like yeah. there's something there. But there's more that it, my my job's not done. Yeah. We can we can help people. And you and your parents a testament again to the fact that if you have good people in the positions that can make an impact on people's yeah. lives, it's huge. You can turn people's lives around. Yeah, and we need more good people running. You know, so many people think, oh, it's crooked. Oh, you know, no one really does anything. It doesn't have to be that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me a little bit about what you're hearing from younger voters. You know, yeah. sometimes we think, oh, they'll turn out in presidential elections. Maybe they don't turn out in midterm elections. No. We've got to give them a reason to go vote. So so what are you hearing from younger voters? Oh, the Dobbs decision was mm. big, mm-hmm. right? The overturning of, of Roe v. Wade and to see that uh, Illinois was like the last sanctuary in the Midwest right. that got people fighting mad. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't just young people. It was older people as well. But that was the first time I really saw that spark in people probably under the age of 30 mm-hmm. um, where they're, what do I do? I want to, you know, I got a sign ready. Let's go out in the streets. Like, hey, the Democratic women of Kankakee were the first ones out there. Like, hey, we'll be at the courthouse. Yeah. Let's go. And, and that just gave us a good read, a, a temperature of that there were people that were willing to get involved that had something to say. And we were trying to ride that momentum but i think um the job security or you know having a future mm-hmm. um in their communities to actually earn a living that's something else that we've heard and then um the parents being concerned about their kids and their safety um when they're leaving school you know leaving the house to go to school and returning from the bus stop those are those are commonalities that we're, we're hearing across the district. Yeah. Uh, we're here with Erin Sloan. She's a candidate for a state representative in the 79th district. Um, how can people help you? You know, what, what, what do you need from people in the closing 14 days here to make a difference? We need to get this turnout up. 
you know, Democrats are known to come out for the presidential election, and we kind of let off uh, of the gas when it comes to the midterms. There's so much at stake, and we're really at a tipping point. So I could really use your help of getting people out. If it's your mother, your brother, your grandmother, your neighbor, whoever, get them to the polls because we need to hear their voice. Mm-hmm. Um, my, me personally, we still have, you know, maybe... I don't know, another thousand or so dollars <laughs> snack. If you got good shoes, <laughs> you know, some good insoles that's, that's in uh, calluses on your knuckles, that might be um, worthwhile. But it's really, I think the most important is, is getting out the, the vote, the turnout. How's your shoe maintenance been? Oh, you my gosh. Buy, you know? I've had to buy. I'm on my... I have to retire my third pair of shoes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, it's the third pair of shoes. Um, my clothes fit a lot looser, though. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, walk, that's, yeah, walking, that's a great know? side effect. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I, I've got a little stretching routine now in the evenings nice. before I go to bed, so yeah. it's easier to get out there the next day. It, to your point on enthusiasm, too, it is, you know, yes, we need youth voters uh, to turn out. We need... Um, so many people to turn out. And it's not even necessarily that Democrats are thinking like, oh, I'll stay home. It doesn't really matter. It's that in a situation like this, in the midterms, what happens is the other side gets supercharged. They get so, very charged. So even if we're highly enthusiastic, like we have to meet them. We every have to every them. race matters. Yeah. Every race matters from your secretary of state. We saw that in Georgia, oh right? Yeah. Where they're purging, you know, places are purging the voter rolls. You know, again, we're in Illinois, but we still have you know, there's some progressive policies that can come through that would make it more efficient. You hate standing in a long line mm-hmm. at the DMV. Well, which, you know, that's which voter candidate, that's, a long line is voter that, suppression. Exactly. Yeah. Um, when we're talking about our judges, mm-hmm. like a lot of things that are on the ballot right now of supporting a woman's right to choose and access to safe uh, health care. If we don't have, you know, Mary Kay O'Brien in there. We, we're going to have a real issue um, of, of, of that being upheld. The um, voter rights amendment, you know, yeah. if we if we have someone in there that is not supportive of it, you know, this could set, you know, the Illinois worker back decades. Like This is important. Every race is important. Yeah. So I feel like you just gave me the closing pitch. But okay. if you have another closing pitch, what would you tell voters? You've got 14 days left. You've got, you know, uh 15 seconds to tell them something. What are you telling them? If you want a difference, get out to the polls. If you want the same thing, the things that make you unhappy, the things that make you scared, the things that uh, don't get you motivated, well, yeah, then you stay home. Uh, but but don't complain because yeah. you actually have an opportunity to make a, make a difference. But every election matters, and this one especially. Aaron Sloan, thank you so much for joining us. She's a candidate for state representative in the 79th District. We will be right back after this. Can't listen to Joan Esposito? Surely you can't be serious. Live, local, and progressive in your car today? I am serious, and don't call me sure. Don't fret. You can still listen to her on the TuneIn app on both your phone and computer. Whoa, you feel that right away. Oh. It's just refreshing. Because facts matter. You're listening to WCPT 820. Attention, everyone. Don't turn that dial. Joan Esposito. Live, local, and progressive. Returns right now on WCPT 820. 
everybody. This is Tim Hogan. I'm in for Joan Esposito today. We are remote. We're back at AFSME Local Union 29. Uh, we're in Kankakee on Schuyler Avenue down by the river. Today's broadcast sponsored by the Illinois Democratic Women of Kankakee County. Um, and once again, please stop by if you have any questions or want to talk to any of the candidates. Our next candidate is Jimmy Fry. He is running for County Board District 5. Jimmy, good to be here. Glad you are here. I'm also happy I'm here, but I'm glad you're here as well. <laughs> hey, pleasure's all mine. Awesome. Tell me a little bit about um, some of your work in the past. You're a labor activist. Some of the ways that you got involved in your community. Yeah, so uh, traditionally my background is in social services, and I worked as a mental health counselor. I also uh, worked as a uh, case manager, working with at-risk youth. Uh, as a case manager, I worked with a lot of impoverished elderly as well as disabled veterans, you know, making sure that they uh, are knowledgeable about all the different programs that are available to them to help them in their situations. And... Um, I got involved in labor because when I was a mental health counselor, this was uh, back when we were under our uh, former governor, there was a lot of um, uncertainty in the mental health field. And one of the things that we felt uh, would uh, secure our jobs is actually, you know, having a union and actually being able to collectively bargain and having proper representation. Because at the time, you know, they were cutting our benefits, they were cutting our pay, um, you know, based on the state funding issues. And uh, we were able to win that fight. We were able to properly uh, manage the election, get it passed, and we finally had proper union representation where I was working. Wow, that's great. That's that's excellent to hear. It's a it's a, a new union story in Illinois. It's something that you did very recently. That's you know you're you're helping workers develop and build a union. Um, and then so how did that motivate you now to make the jump and to run for a county board? You know, my background in social services primarily working with um, folks that are the most vulnerable people in our society. It made me feel that I have. Um, I have a uh, very specific insight into the needs of the most vulnerable, and I feel that, you know, even though counseling, doing caseworking, one-on-one, you can make a difference in an individual's lives, but I feel that being able to put forth um, proper legislation, being able to create good policies is the best way to make the best impact. Yeah, it's it's like you're doing a little bit of casework for the county, right? Yeah. It's you're, you're, you you <laughs> have a have a program for for everybody. So, I mean, that's that's excellent to hear. Uh, tell me a little bit. I've I've been told as I uh, came down here, the Kankakee River. Um, that is something that you are interested in. It's an issue that you want to address if you're elected to the county board. So, tell me a little bit about um, your background there. Yeah. So, I mean, just a little background on the river, the Kankakee River. You know, since the founding of Kankakee has been the lifeblood of the county. You know, it's where all the trade came through. It actually built the Kankakee City. And, uh, you know, the Kankakee River is worth protecting. It's a vital resource that we're going to need for the future if we want to continue to thrive. Now, I got interested in the Kankakee River because... Uh, My subdivision, I'm not far from the river. Uh, District 5, it flows right through the southern half, and there's a lot of small subdivisions that are built along the river. 
And whenever it would rain extensively, I started noticing, um, you know, septic backups, started talking to folks in other communities, other subdivisions, my neighbors, and they were having similar issues. And the uh, river has not been dredged since 1917. Wow. So with all that sand and sediment that builds up, it raises the water table, uh, which, you know, can back up uh, certain types of uh sewage systems primarily if you're on uh, well water and uh, you know septic tanks as opposed to uh, you know more uh, uh, more uh, I don't know town based mm-hmm. sewage systems well so so what do you so first of all I trust you in whatever you're about to tell me because you just gave me an amazing amount of information about the Kankakee River which I am now passionate about by osmosis because <laughs> of, of, of you but what what is what is it that you want to do what would you address um, what would your proposal be for um, um, dealing with some of these issues so the main issue with the Kankakee River is that um, for the past 40 years or so sand from the Yellow River um, stream bank, in Indiana has led into the rivers that flow into Kankakee. And we've had so much sand built up that, um, you know, it, uh, one, raises the water table, which uh, can affect topsoil. A lot of farms in my district. So I'd love to see, uh, you know, more funding and policies that would, you know, help build grassy knolls, you know, keep uh, nutrients as well as fertilizer and pesticides on the farm fields where they belong. But the... Major progress on the Kankakee River and cleaning it up has just been kind of in the hands of the Indiana, Illinois, uh, Bi-State Commission. That's the uh, the Yellow Bank uh, Basin Commission. And uh, very recently, they have actually gotten some legislation passed by Indiana and some additional funding things to Democratic Senator Patrick Choice to actually start to dredge parts of the river. Now, Patrick was able to secure $1 million to dredge along the Aroma uh, Potawatomi boat ramp because it was so shallow that they couldn't even get emergency vehicles in and out on the river. So if there was an accident on the river, you know, they wouldn't be able to assist. Um, so luckily with that funding, they're going to dredge parts of Aroma Park. And uh, Indiana, they have put forth, uh, or that's the uh, commission has put forth about $3 million a year uh, for 40 years to actually go through and dredge the entire river, parts of it little by little. But, you know, when it comes to these local programs, primarily ones that are going to be spread out over 40 years, mm-hmm. I want to make sure that that program is going to be there and that funds are actually going to be allocated towards the river where right. they belong and not just kind of put off in the pet projects. I, I'm going to ask a question here. There's applause for that in the back. <laughs> uh, I want to ask a question there. Is there a way for us to, by decree, just put you in charge of the river? <laughs> I mean, the first step would be me getting on the county board so we can actually start bringing some attention to the yeah. issue. Yeah, I mean, that's remarkable. It is, and this is a testament to the local knowledge that exists in, with important issues like this. And it's a huge um, you know, part of your platform. You know uh, the details of it that I don't think your average candidate would know, but you're passionate about it. You know what fix needs to be done, and um, it's it's remarkable that um, you know you may be in position now to oversee that and to make sure that what needs to get done gets done there. Um, as you're going door to door, as you're canvassing, you're working on your campaign. What are you hearing from voters now in the final two weeks? Oh, final two weeks. Um, unfortunately, 
Um, you know, I personally have been going to a lot of independent voters, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, I have been uh, hearing a lot of uh, apathy, right? Like, ah, I don't want to go out and vote, to which I got to give them kind of like the old uh, football coach, yeah. you know, pep talk. Hey, you know, this time there's no time for folks to be on the sidelines. We got to get everybody in the game. And, you know, I feel there's a big disconnect between the importance of local politics and the effect it has on people's lives. People get so apathetic with, you know, the dialogue and the talking points at the national level that they kind of disconnect. But local politics is what actually affects people day in, day out. They're the policies that matter. So it has been, um, I I guess, kind of, uh, you know, my ideology that running I want to, you know, make people more engaged. I want to inspire people to be more engaged because I feel if we can make change at the local level, we're going to be able to restore folks' faith in government, right? Mm -hmm. And you know what? The only way that we can do that is from the bottom up together. Yep. I absolutely believe that. And it's about competence. It's about, you know, you're saying it's the issues that are in your backyard. Yeah, literally, it's the river. Like it's, <laughs> it's so, um, it, which would, what is important for people. So how can people help you in your campaign closing 14 days here? What do you, what do you want, uh, in terms of support? You know, if you are uh, interested in fishing, if you are interested in kayaking, if you're a conservationist, if you're an environmentalist, spread the word. Um, District 5, you know, I can use all the help I can get getting the word out there. It's a very big district. Um, Geographically speaking, it's very rural. So, you know, getting folks out, come out to vote, spread the word, and, uh, yeah, let's just get more active and, uh, you know, getting more uh, excitement back in the politics. Love that. So I've been asking everybody, you got your closing pitch. Again, we're two weeks away. What are you telling voters? 15 seconds in an elevator. Here's why you vote for me. You know, vote for me because growing up, I was a latchkey kid. I know the needs of the working class. I know the needs of working class parents. And I want to make sure that we have transparency on the board so that it is accountable to you, the individual, and you, the constituent, not to uh, bigger interests in the area. When working folks come together, we can accomplish anything. Perfect. Jimmy, thank you so much for joining us. He's a county board candidate in District 5. We will be right back. Pleasure's all mine. Facebook. Message us. Instagram. Follow us. Twitter. Tweet us. They keep me connected. Let's get social on the socials. WCPT 820. Information is power. Stay informed to know what's going on. Staying informed gives me the power of knowledge. I wake up. I need to know what happened. I turn on the radio. Because information is power. WCPT 820. Where facts matter. This is Joan Esposito. Live, local, and progressive on WCPT 820. Hey, everybody. This is Tim Hogan. I'm in for Joan Esposito today. We are at the AFSCME Union Hall, Local 29 in Kankakee on Schuyler Avenue. Uh, today's broadcast is sponsored by the Illinois Democratic Women of Kankakee County. And once again, we're getting to the end of the program here. It's 430. But you can still stop by and meet some of the candidates. Uh, very excited to have Ray Chamberlain with us next. He is a candidate for uh, County Board District 8. Ray, welcome. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, Tell me a little bit about your background. Now, you serve on the Mantino Parks Recreation Commission. Yes. How did you get involved in that? Well, I got involved as um, my daughter started asking me questions about getting involved in a community many years ago. 
And I started with the Mantino Educational Foundation. It was part of Mantino High School. And through that notoriety, I understood that there was a position available on the Mantino Parks and Recreation Commission. And seven years ago, um, I put an application into the mayor's office, and the mayor called me about a week and a half later and said, come to a village board meeting, and you'll be appointed. So, there you um, go. yeah, I got involved. I just like, I just like being involved in my community, something yeah. to do. That's good. That's, that's the key motivating factors. Tell me a little bit about um, your union, union background. Um, I joined the Carpenters Union in Chicago in 1994, and I served a four-year apprenticeship, and I'm proud as hell of that. And um, over that time, uh, my brother-in-law, who sponsored me, told me, go every day and let them put a face to the name. Let them know who you are. Because in a labor union, I'm not necessarily the next guy that's going to go out. So um, I got involved with stuffing envelopes. I got involved with knocking on doors. I got involved with making phone calls and let everybody know who I am. As time transpired, um, my business manager at the time in, well, 22 years ago, asked me to run for recording secretary in my local union. I did, and I lost by two votes. Mm. So for those of you that don't think your vote counts, understand <laughs> I lost an election in a local union by two. Wow. So if two more people would have voted for me, I would have won. But following that, for six straight election cycles, or, or um, almost 18 years, I was elected recording secretary of that wow. local union. Um, so you came back with a vengeance. Yeah, well, I wouldn't say I came back with a vengeance. I just came back to help. And I think what I did was... Um, I was asked at the time, I was, well, I actually told at the time that there were two possibilities available, one being an organizer for the organization, the other one being um, an instructor for the organization. I have a college education in aviation maintenance technology, and I'm a certificated aircraft mechanic in, in the United States of America. And I got involved, and it was teaching gas turbine power generation. Mm -hmm. And that's something that, well, near and dear to my heart and what, to, what I went to college for. So I went in and I told them, I said, I think I'd like to teach because when you guys get long in the tooth and are thinking about retirement, I might like to be part of the change. And I think that's how I got elected to recording secretary in the first place. And as an instructor, I worked as an instructor for the organization for roughly three months, and I was um, moved to our international training center in Las Vegas, Nevada for two years. Mm. And I came back to Chicago as a business representative for the Chicago Regional Council of Carpenters, and I, I retired two and a half years ago from what is now the uh, Mid-America Regional Council of Carpenters. Got it. And so you also, as, as part of this career, served as, as separately as the treasurer for the Kankakee County Democratic Party, you said for five years, is that right? Yeah. In, in, our, in the Carpenters organization, they, they um, encourage us to become okay. involved locally. And in, I want to say it was 2006 or 2008, um, as Sonny Choi Williams mentioned, turned the ballot over. I turned the ballot over on this particular election cycle, and there was one office, I believe it was a school board office, and there was no candidate, not an R or a D, no candidate. So, vacant office. Now, that just sparked wonder for me. So I started to track down, at that time, I started to track down the Kankakee County Democratic Party. And was it an existence thing, or was this just strictly a completely red county? Mm -hmm. And I got involved. I got involved back then, and I've been precinct committeeman up until 
actually this last election cycle. I was voted out as precinct committeeman in this last election cycle because I wasn't in favor of supporting certain Republicans. Mm. And so you now are running for District 8. Yes. Tell me a little bit about what your priorities are in your race. Well, in District 8, I think what I would like to do is I'd like to see more public involvement in how the county operates. Um, Right now, as uh, most of the county board candidates have mentioned, um, our county board meets at 9 o'clock in the morning. Now, as a business representative at the time, it was okay for me to be in that meeting because I, I could find out about work or mm-hmm. upcoming work. But as a individual that lives in the village of Mantino, well, I'm at work. I don't have time to go to the county board right. meeting, and, you know, they're just they're, they're, they're doing their own thing. I would like to see county board meetings start at maybe 7 in the evening mm-hmm. so more people could come home, have dinner, and then come out and let's talk about county business. Right. If you, yeah, if you hold a meeting but no one shows up to it, what good is the meeting? Particularly if you're looking for public input. So right. They, you exactly. Know. And in, in, you know, in in a room the size that the county board meets in, I think they can probably hold about sixty or eighty people in that room, and very rarely is that room half filled mm. with wow. people. So. Um, I just think there's an opportunity here. There was a redistricting done this year, and the 8th district is more in, there was a lot, the vast majority of the 8th district was rural for years and years and years. And now this year they cut the rural portion out and made it more a neighborhood. Mm. And I just think there's a, a little bit more friendly population, and as I look at it, it's an open seat. So as an open seat, I think there's a fair chance for either or. So I'd like it to be me. We're talking with Ray Chamberlain. He's running for District 8 in Kankakee County. Um, So it's a smaller district now. I feel like a lot of the county uh, board candidates that we've heard from, larger districts have to drive long distances. And, you know, there are lots lots of different door-knocking packets geographically in different places. What are you hearing from voters in the more neighborhood-oriented district that you're running in? Well, I think it's the same thing. I think it's the transparency. People don't – what I ask is I ask them if they know who their county board representative is. Yeah. And the majority answer is no. Mm-hmm. I said, well, wouldn't you like to know who the guy is? <laughs> right. I, if I told you the name, do you think the guy is in the phone book? Gee, I don't know. I don't even know who it is. <laughs> well, I'm Ray Chamberlain. My name is in the phone book. You know, so I, I'm, I'm a guy that's approachable. Um, I live in a 55 and over community, and my wife picked the home before she passed away two and a half years ago, but I'm house number one. Mm. So coming and going, you pass by my house. I sit out on the front porch. I get everybody that goes by. So it it works. I mean, you talk to both, and it does take both. I'm not trying to appeal to strictly Democratic voters. I'm trying to appeal to individuals. Because when I was a kid many years ago, um, it didn't matter whether you had an R or a D next to your name. If you won that particular election, you, you went to work and you did the work of the people. And that simply doesn't happen anymore. And I think it should. Yeah. It says for both you and Larry, who uh, we interviewed at the top of the hour, you're both retired millwrights and union officers. So he's your union brother. Are you uh, excited about the possibility of serving with him? Yes, I am. And... Um, <laughs> I'm glad you asked that because I was actually um, 
treasurer of the Kankakee County Central Democratic Committee. And I had just retired, and Larry was still working. And Larry came to me as a Bradley resident and said that uh, he was considering the idea of uh, getting into the political arena. So I talked to our chairman at the time, and we coached Larry a little bit and had him go out and get signatures, and Larry became a uh, um, precinct committeeman. And what was it? Was it, yeah, was it a, was it a I, I think it was maybe a year, yeah. After Larry became a precinct committeeman, we thought that that would be a very simple way for him to get his feet wet and learn a little bit. Um, Larry's county board rep passed away. And at that time, Larry became the county board rep. Mm. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm proud of Larry. You know, Larry's been a good guy. He's been a, good fr- he's been a friend of mine in the union for just about 30 years now. So, um, yeah, we, do, we go back. And I would love to work with the guy. I've, I've worked with him before, and I'd, I'd be happy to do it again. That's great to hear. All right. I've been asking everybody, closing pitch to voters, 14 days, two weeks. What are you telling people? It's time for a change in Kankakee County. We can do better, and there's good candidates running. Let's help support these folks, and let's start a new day in Kankakee County. Ray, thank you so much for joining us. We'll be right back after this. There's no excuse to miss Joan Esposito. It's number one on my stereo. Live, local, and progressive. You can listen to her daily at WCPT820.com on your computer or phone. WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk, where facts matter. Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive. Every weekday afternoon from 2 to 5 p.m. on WCPT 820. Hey, everybody. This is Tim Hogan. I'm in for Joan Esposito today. We are back with a final segment at the AFSCME Union Hall in Kankakee County on Schuyler Avenue. I'm going to still tell you to come by. If you can make it in 15 minutes, you can meet some candidates. You can come by whenever, honestly. Uh, but we are here with one final interview with Gary Siasio. He is the chair of Kankakee Friends of Labor and the president of Kankakee AFSCME Retirees. Gary, thank you for being here. Thank you for coming. Tell me a little bit about your background. Um, I uh, worked at Shapiro Developmental Center, which is about uh, five blocks up there. I was uh, worked with the developmentally disabled in the state facility, and I became active with AFSCME Local 29. I was a member of AFSCME Local 29 for 40 years and the president for about the last uh, 10 years. And uh, I would like to thank the current president, Danny Williams, for once again opening up the hall for us to be here. This has been an absolutely great program. So critical to talk to people running in local races and to let everyone know how important they are. Yeah, it is. It's, it's been a terrific day. I... Tell me a little bit about uh, starting the Kankakee Friends of Labor. Yeah, a couple years ago, we were concerned. Obviously, this county leans red, but also we didn't see uh, enough labor involvement. We didn't see uh labor-friendly candidates being recruited, and once they decided to run, uh, we, didn't see, uh, we didn't see the assistance for them. And it was a concern. So a group of us, uh, labor activists, both uh, current and retired, uh, I have to name a few of them, Marta Perales, Larry Kirkstra, who you've met, Ray Chamberlain, uh, Al Whitman, who's been running around here all day, 
uh, uh, Dixie Payne, but but we uh, we sat down and decided, hey, we we need more. Uh, you know, this is a labor state. This is a labor uh, county. We used to have lots of factories here, and uh, we thought that uh, we needed a voice for workers. So we started the organization on a shoestring. Uh, fortunately, uh, uh, the suite right next door became available, and we took a leap of faith and and rented it and uh, then we started recruiting and one of our first recruits uh, was Larry Kirkstra who uh, who uh, has been a strong voice for strong yeah I know you, you're gonna pay me back uh, uh, he's a strong voice for labor on the county board but uh, it's a lonely voice and right now you heard several uh, labor candidates today that were working real hard uh, to get them uh, uh, to join on. We also uh, made friends with uh, Illinois Democratic uh, Women of Kankakee County. Uh, Charlene Eads is the president. Uh, she's an AFSCME member. Uh, the Democratic women are very strong uh, labor supporters, so we found uh, we found an ally in them. So uh, we're working hard and, uh, you know, slow change, slow change here in Kankakee County, but we're going to uh, work on it till it gets done. I mean, it sounds like you've built a strong coalition down here. That's what this is about. It's finding where your friends are, getting organized, getting the resources that you need to make a difference, and it sounds like that's what you've been doing. Yeah, that's what that's what that's what union people do. It's all about uh, adding and organizing. And uh, you met the new chair of the Democratic Party, Dondi Marico, who is also from a labor household. Uh, we uh, are now working with her, and uh, you know, trying to bring all the forces together uh, 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 to help everyone in the community. Uh, you know, people talked about it earlier. Everyone's voice should be heard, and uh, that's what we want to make sure is done in Kankakee. County. Tell me a little bit about the importance of the Workers' Rights Amendment that's up. Yeah, you know, it's it's really a simple concept, and, uh, you know, there's all kinds of ads now trying to twist it around. It's a very simple con- uh, concept. Illinois is, is, a, is a labor-friendly state, is a union-friendly state, uh, but uh, the states around us over the past uh, several years have uh, moved away from that. You know, states like Indiana, Michigan, uh, they've gone right to work, which is really right to work for less. And, uh, you know, we wanted to make sure that that didn't happen here in Illinois. We had a governor before this one who uh, uh, tried to find different ways around to uh, reduce the rights of workers and unions in Illinois. And Bruce Rauner, he he was tricky. You know, he didn't have the support of the legislature. So uh, first he went after our union, AFSCME, and four years we couldn't get a contract with him. Uh, He didn't bargain fairly. We ended up in court for years and years. And uh, Governor Pritzker got elected, and we had a contract in four months. And then he went to communities that were a little right-wing and, uh, they came up with this idea of having uh, areas where uh, preve- there was no prevailing wage, and trades guys hate that. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and uh, so he got a couple communities to, to where there was no prevail. They passed the ordinances where they didn't have a prevailing wage. We were fortunate that the courts uh, 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 ruled that that wasn't uh, possible in Illinois. So uh, the idea behind the amendment is that no future legislature or a, a governor can uh, uh, pass anything to stop working people from either organizing 
or bar or doing collective bargaining. And in, in the Constitution, that's that's kind of where those things uh, belong. Mm-hmm. Uh, Representative Riley talked about it earlier about adding rights, and that's what this that's where rights belong in the Constitution. You know, they couldn't pass the U.S. Constitution until we had the first ten min- amendments, which were called the Bill of Rights. And so that it's simple. It's that that, that the rights of workers should be in the Illinois Constitution. And uh, right now, all the all the misinformation lies are just uh, trying to uh, make it more difficult than it is. What is the uh, biggest lie you feel like you have to put down? <laughs> the biggest lie that we hear is that it's going to raise your property taxes. Mm. And I, I I tried to figure all the different ways <laughs> that, you know, given uh, putting in the Constitution rights that workers already have in the state of Illinois could uh, increase property taxes. And most of the people we're trying to help are people like at Starbucks yeah. or McDonald's. Now, if, if Starbucks organizes, you might pay two cents more for your coffee, but there's no way it could affect your property taxes. It's just a complete uh, fallacy. Do you see, I, I, you know, I think you mentioned Starbucks, you mentioned McDonald's. Do you see a surge in labor organizing across the country happening yeah. right now? Yeah, we do. And it, it's, 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 it's exciting that, uh, you know, that service industries are finally organizing. We're seeing it in Amazon. And, I mean, you really have to be courageous to go after uh, Bezo. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, and uh, they're being they're starting to be successful. What are you hearing from voters on the doors about this amendment? What, what, what do you think? I, I think everything looks uh, good. Uh, the you know the people of Illinois have always supported uh, workers and unions, and I, I think we're uh, you know I think we're in good shape. But you know it's all about everybody's talking about it. it's all about churnout. Mm-hmm. It's all about churnout, and we have to get our voters out because we know the wealthy and the privileged they always vote. Yeah. They always vote worrying about about their taxes we need to get our people out to vote what do you need from voters in the last 14 days or volunteer or anybody okay well well glad you asked uh uh yeah well number one you need to get your family and friends to vote and number two we need volunteers the last two weeks especially election day and i have a phone number uh 815-592-3968 we had people uh doing uh uh uh, door hangers today. They they were just uh, getting them ready for election day. So uh, you know, if if you got a couple hours, we can get you something to do. Say that number one more time. Eight one five five nine two three nine six eight. Perfect. So people should call that number. They can find out a way to get involved in the campaign. They can come here. You can be anywhere around the state and be working on this issue. Absolutely. That's excellent. So two weeks, fourteen days. What's your final pitch to voters? I've asked everybody. I got to ask you, what do you think is at stake in this election? What's your closing argument to voters? You know, I, I, you know, I think several of our candidates talked about it. Is that uh, you know, staying home is is voting uh, uh, for the status quo. And the status quo is not acceptable. We need to move this community forward. We need to move this state forward. Gary, thank you so much for being here. Um, Just a great closing to this program. Thank you to everyone who came out. Thank you to everyone who spoke to us. Get involved in your local parties. Thank you to Ask Me Local 29. Thank you to the Illinois uh, Democratic Women of Kankakee County. Uh, This is Tim Hogan. I'm signing off for Joan Esposito.